0: The music of singer-songwriter Mike Powell comes under the name Closet Judas. Mike, thanks for coming to The Antidote. Thanks for having me. I know that you've been in the music scene for quite a few years, but when did Closet Judas begin?
1: Closet Judas began in 2007. Up to that point, I'd been recording with uh, a few buddies of mine uh, from growing up. And uh, it came to a point where I just wanted to work on my own uh, work um, without having to rely on the schedule of my bandmates who were in, at that point, different parts of the country. So I uh, had written an album. I bought myself a digital 8-track recorder and um, decided to put together an album called Delusional. And the last track on that particular album was called Closet Judas. And then from that point, I just took that over as a moniker to represent all of the work that I write, record, and produce myself.
0: And that's what I was curious about. Modeling your name on Judas, the betrayer, Mm -hmm. are you taking a jab at yourself?
1: Uh, For sure. One of the philosophical meanings behind Closet Judas is that you can never really fully know who someone is because there's always hidden depths to our personality or our character um, that might even surprise ourselves. And uh, the name itself uh, originally came from a situation that I experienced when I was in university where my actions were called Judas like. And the person that called me out was totally right. So since that point, I took it on as an identity marker for me uh, to remind myself that uh, anyone can be in that position of a person who is a a betrayer or or someone who we might uh, look down upon. Uh, But when you're in their position, you might have done the exact same thing.
0: You've already touched on this that much of your music deals with both faith and philosophy. Do the two actually relate to each other?
1: I think so. I think when it comes down to it, any uh, worldview or perspective that one espouses is a philosophical one. And uh, when it comes to faith, it just happens to be in a religious sphere. So when I come to my writing and the things that I think about the world, I I look at it from a philosophical perspective. It's just that the background that I come from is uh, a Judeo-Christian one. Um, That was the faith that I inherited. But then I continue to process things um, through the experiences that I have and try to figure out what is going on in the world so philosophy helps my defining of what i see faith to be for me personally
0: some songs from closet judas move away from those themes queen's fairy speaks about the death of scott hutchinson of frightened rabbit that had an effect on you it
1: did scott hutchinson was always so candid about his feelings about the world and his life and his experience of it. And he just was so honest uh, with that, uh, that it had a big effect on me personally, because the songs that he was expressing just resonated with me in a way that many other bands hadn't in the past. So when he died uh, by suicide a couple years ago, it was really moving for me. Um, even though I never knew him. But because music can be such a personal connection point, you feel like you know an artist when you've listened to their their music uh, so much. So when the news came out about his death, uh, one way for me to grieve and to process things was to, to write a song about it, and that was that song.
0: Being a singer-songwriter, is it possible to be too personal or too honest?
1: I personally don't think so, unless it borders on something like uh, racism or that kind of thing. Um, But when it comes to one's emotions and the things that they're experiencing in life and existential crises and disenchantment with one's life, I think that is sometimes the best way to get it out through song because music touches on a a deeper realm of uh, understanding i think and when you can express that you not only are able to work through things yourself but when other people hear it it gives them the permission to interact with those ideas for themselves
0: i noticed that online you've described yourself as going through spiritual disintegration Now, evangelical christians like to ask people for their testimony well this isn't quite a testimony but let's hear your story
1: yeah um perhaps a a reverse testimony of sorts Um, uh, growing up i was involved in youth groups and in camps and in university led worship and uh, was a pastor for 15 years when i was living in hamilton But in 2007, a number of things just not connecting. And I guess the best way to describe it would be some kind of perfect storm of destabilizing factors, Um, whether it was uh, unanswered prayer related to the death of people close to me or the ongoing silence of God that I was sensing or uh, ministry burnout, um, the arrogance and antagonism and intolerance of a lot of neo-evangelicals. There were all these things that, that came together and really started to pull apart what was integrated in my faith before. And my music over the past number of years has been an effort to uh, pull that apart and examine those pieces and see uh, which ones could potentially fit back together going forward.
0: Now that that change has happened, is life simpler?
1: I don't think so. Even though I've heard from other people who have gone through similar uh, deconstruction, uh, to to put it one way, uh, who have found a lot of freedom and maybe not being tied to old expectations or um, feelings uh, that they, they should be doing this or that, I do still find it. Difficult to uh, reconcile the things that used to make sense to me before and the things that continue to confound me.
0: So then tell me, what do your old Christian friends think of the new Mike Powell?
1: Um, I think some don't understand. I think probably for the most part, most people don't really get where I'm coming from because the way that I have operated for the past number of years is to really explore the fringe of what uh, could be described as more confessional Christianity, um, and trying to see what we might have been missing by holding fast to uh, hard lines um, of this or that, us and them, and tribalism that often characterizes much of uh, contemporary Christianity. I found that it's never possible to please Everyone, But usually if you are trying to be authentic and genuine and honest about what you think, you're going to be, just as an example, too conservative for liberals and too liberals for conservatives um, and really be in a, a place of, of liminal space in between everyone.
0: Is what happened to you, you think this is more of a doctrinal thing for individual churches, or is it just Christianity en mass?
1: It's hard to say. I think because there are so many traditions and ways of seeing the world, it, yeah, it's hard to, to know exactly how to, to express that. I, I think that we all process the world from our point of experience. And I think when we come from a particular tradition, whatever that might be, uh, that's our starting point. But one is uh, able to examine the individual components of that system and sees that there are disconnects. It creates a- an opportunity to to ask the question whether this is the way things should be, uh, or whether some of these systemic things are maybe not the way they, they should be. And when one opens oneself up to more perspectives than just the one that they uh, grew up in or the one that they surround themselves within, um, then it's it's possible to see that maybe there's more one way to see something. And then I think that that in itself, even though it, it's a, a positive thing to see things from another person's perspective, I think it also has the, the latent function of maybe toppling some of those things that we thought were once secure or not able to be questioned.
0: Is it really just the issue with Christians wanting to deal with things only in black and white and not wanting to accept the gray?
1: I think that is a lot of it. Uh, I think for most of traditional Christianity and uh, traditional religion just across the board, there's a desire for certainty and whenever uncertainty presents itself that's seen as threatening because no one is really all that comfortable with the unknown we like to know what to expect we like to be in control and when those safeguards or those comforts are taken away from us it's an unsettling place to be Uh, So, sometimes, even against ourselves, we have a tendency to hold on to certainty, even when deep down we might not really be convinced that that is the way things are, or the way things should be.
0: This might be the same question all over again, but (laughs) I know that my Christian faith is very different from where it was 10 years ago. Should people of faith be comfortable with having beliefs that evolve?
1: I think they have to. I think there's always something to be said about being solid at a center of what guides us and more flexible at the periphery or the the margins. Um, So if, for instance, one is not willing to jettison something like the necessity to love our fellow human, um, that is, I think, a core value that should never be trifled with but when it comes to some of these distinctives i think so often there are communities and and people who major on minors and that maybe those things that we have taken to be key markers of orthodoxy maybe it's not as simple as that may be there is a lot more gray than we'd like to believe
0: you did mention earlier about being on the fringe and you have a podcast that's called French Faithful Collective. Obviously, you're seeing yourself in that, being on the French. How many others join you that way?
1: It's hard to know. Um, the podcast itself is really almost like a a written and audio diary uh, where I'm able to share a history of spiritual disintegration. The reason I, I do it is so that if there are others who are interested in exploring the fringe or, or the margins or maybe just not the traditional perspective that they have the, the freedom to do that. Um, but to be perfectly honest, I don't uh, really uh, take a look at the numbers in terms of who's engaging with that. I just put it out there. And if anyone finds it beneficial, then that's, uh, that's great.
0: We've been doing all this talking, but we've been steering clear of music. We should touch on that. Sure. Personally, I love lo-fi music, but I wouldn't say that's a universal favorite. Does this limit who's going to search out your music?
1: It will. Um, All of my music is non-monetized, and I am very selective about the streaming platforms where my music can be found. Uh, So it is going to limit... Uh, the audience who connects with that. Um, but yeah, the lo-fi sound will also uh, not resonate with, with some people who are maybe looking for a different uh, different type of music.
0: Your lyrics go deep, and they also show a critical side, like say in the song Paradise, where it says, I am less different than you like me to be. You are more equal than I'd like to concede. It's time we broke this charade and as one accepted defeat. What drives that?
1: I think there's always a need for things to be critiqued, uh, especially uh, those institutions that are taken for granted. That particular project, uh, Fringe Faithful, that, that album, was really taking an opportunity to critique much of what I saw as potentially problematic within the church, um, specifically. Uh, And in that particular song, when I'm uh, saying, you know, we're a lot more equal than we'd like to to believe, I'm really getting at the the idea that we're all human. We're all trying to wrap our minds around this whole life thing. Uh, We don't know what's ahead in terms of mortality whether that's it or if there's anything like an after beyond Um, but maybe it's more helpful for us to kind of put those things on hold and focus just on being the best humans we can be while we have this time together and I think that when people are able to bring those questions into their, their minds and really ask themselves could I be wrong about this it gives people a bit more humility when they interact with people who are different from them, but also in the same token, it helps them to realize that we're actually a lot more similar than we might think uh, we are because of the uh, the beliefs that we uh, individually and collectively hold.
0: There's something else about the music of Closet Judas. I don't think anyone would call it happy. What about for you personally, Mike? Like, are you happy?
1: I'm happy myself, but I I find uh, I've always kind of wrestled with having more of a a flat affect. Um, So not really being overly enthusiastic about certain things and also not really being um, crippled by anything like depression. Um, I think I've always processed things fairly stoically, but also I've never really been an optimist. So I, I usually see uh, the world and in situations more pessimistically or, or at least more realistically. Um, but I think when there's uh, a focus so much on hyper-optimism, uh, usually realism can be seen as, as something that is uh, particularly negative because it uh, casts light on, on things that, that people would rather not look at like the reality of death or um, difficulties that we face in life uh, emotionally or spiritually.
0: Well, then again, on a personal level, what gets you enthusiastic?
1: Music is the main thing for sure. Um, hearing a good song, uh, something that is either challenging or inspiring, helps you to, to see things from a, a different perspective, um I love skateboarding. Um, I'm not great at it, but uh, that is exciting for me. Movies, podcasts, TV shows, uh, all of these things, uh, I, I find there's, there's more passion around uh, than other things. And um, this is just more for fun, but uh, I brew beer. Um, and that's been an exciting uh, project of mine the last year or so.
0: Well, you're living in Winnipeg. And winter is coming. How enthusiastic are you about that?
1: Not enthusiastic at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong about this. On many of the songs, I get the impression that you're venting your frustrations.
1: I am, yeah. A lot of the music that I write is coming from a place of a remedial task of mine to work out my my feelings, my frustrations, my Uh, views Um, and each of the songs that I write in the projects are coming from a particular place Um, and I think almost like a diary they uh, catch uh, moments in time of what was affecting me the most at that particular moment. So when you look at the the songs and the projects you can get a sense as to what I'm the most frustrated about at those particular times because That's really how I've uh, used music um, in my life from the very beginning when I first started
0: writing. And you have quite a bit of music, and you also have a new EP, Non-Sequitur, that has a great opening song. I have to admit, I laughed the first time I heard it because it's so accurate.
1: Hmm. Yeah, um, The Cycle of Emergence is the, the first track on that particular project. And I use that particular song to really examine the myth of progress. Uh, The subtitle of that particular track is Enduring Advancement Myths. And I try to pull apart the idea that technology is always the best thing for us and that as humans that we're actually getting better, which I would question, Um, so i was inspired a little bit by uh radiohead uh the song fitter happier from the ok computer project uh where you have kind of this uh android uh robotic voice i used a a generator to to do part of the vocals um and then i did the vocals uh the other half myself and i used it as almost kind of a highly sarcastic justification of of human progress that was written from the perspective of technology personified. Um, So that's kind of where that track's coming from.
0: (laughs) And I love it. Thanks. Breaking the Fourth Wall is another song on Non-Sequitur I've really gotten into. It says, all that's accepted is your sole perspective, and my life incomparably loathed. Then I'm calling out your supposed distinction, begging you to break the bloody fourth. Tell me something, are those kind of negative actions taking place on one level or on multiple?
1: Actually, every song on the EP has a dual meaning and that was intentional. Uh, So, whereas the the first track, uh, The Cycle of Emergence, talks about humanity and technology, Breaking the Fourth Wall is talking about prejudice and various phobias, whether it's uh, homophobia, transphobia. Things along those lines. And that particular song I took as uh, an opportunity to really explore those ideas uh, about uh, racism and those types of phobias that continue to endure, uh, especially within uh, religious contexts. And the title itself comes from that uh, theatrical technique um, that a lot of people are familiar with, but maybe they don't have terminology for, but in the show like The Office, where a character looks knowingly at the camera, uh, or um, in the movie, I don't know if uh, you've seen it, uh, JCVD, a John claude Van Damme uh, movie from a number of years back. There's a moment in in the movie where he's lifted literally out of the, the set and then speaks directly to the audience. The song Breaking the Fourth Wall is trying to get at that we ourselves are really all actors and the things that we believe and the things that we do are all based on ideologies that uh, may or may not be real, but we behave as if they are. And I think when we break the fourth wall, when we are able to see that we are acting, it helps us to look beyond uh, what we see as actuality and potentially move to a, a, a more healthy place where we don't see people for the external things like skin color or gender or, or sexuality, but we see each other as human. And that track is really getting at the fact that we are all siblings on this planet Earth, and we should uh, do our very best to treat each other with the love that we expect others to treat us with.
0: That new EP, Non-Sequitur, are you giving it like an overarching theme?
1: Um, It is a concept EP, so I'm exploring a lot of different things at the same time. But uh, one of the the main things that that I'm playing with is the interplay of presence and absence. Um, And considering, especially those events when absence is felt, Uh, like a presence, almost like an unassailable weight, or when presence is shown to be potentially uh, illusory. So um, trying to look at the things that affect us in life, and whether it's humanity and technology, uh, nationalism or dogmatism, prejudice, phobias, uh, social media, and even the music industry, all of these things are connected uh, in some way, Uh, to this 21st century context that we live in but I think that the norm that has emerged that we especially in this year are just wanting to return to um, maybe there are some uh, things that shouldn't continue the way that they're going and this EP itself because it's been such a, a crazy year I think was my response to what I see as some of the major issues that uh, remain for us as as humans.
0: You know, I think what I really want to know is how do you want people to react to the music of Closet Judas?
1: I don't have any particular agenda behind what I hope for other than people listen uh, to it. Uh, and because I create concept albums, um, I guess my real hope is that people would listen from start to finish, but also engage with the the philosophy behind it. Um, one interesting thing about the the project itself, there's four music tracks, but I'll be releasing four companion tracks on that same EP that really delve into the meaning behind each of the songs. And my hope is that people will listen to it and that they'll be faced with maybe a, an alternate perspective that helps them to process things maybe from a different way uh, that will maybe lead them to to think about things uh, differently and um, question whether the, the normative, whether it's kind of in their their faith perspective or how they interact with the world uh, Ecologically, or uh, just socially, uh, in, in general, that maybe they they'll think twice about the reasons why they do or say the things that they do and say.
0: Something else that's important is for <laughs> you to tell our listeners how to find your music.
1: A lot of my work you can find by going to my Instagram account, uh, Closet Judas. And I have a link tree there that will springboard people to all of the, the things that they can find online, whether it's at Bandcamp, uh, where all of my music can be found, all of the completed projects, or SoundCloud uh, at Closet Judas there as well. And, um, yeah, uh, the the main site, uh, though, I would point people towards would be uh, ClosetJudas.Bandcamp.
0: Mike? I want to thank you so much for coming for this talk and uh, keep yourself warm in Winnipeg this winter. (laughs) Thanks,
1: Dave. And uh, all the best with uh, the antidote and in what's coming up next.